Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. All right. Everybody in? Um, while we do, Rob, you want to tell us how's Michigan? How is the MMLA? The MMLA event was very nice. <laughs> Attendance was down a ways. Uh, from last year and the year before, but the the crowd was good. I think that people who attended were genuinely interested in the subject matter, and I had an opportunity to actually lead or moderate the panel on technology, which would be like, you know, somebody who doesn't know how to swim leading the you know, teaching a swim class, but, but the mood was good. The, um, uh, you know, your venue, the high Skyler, I'm just uh, oh, talking no. about, it. <laughs> just talking about a conference I went to. It's at okay. the conference was in the middle of, of, of farmland, you know, in the middle of central Michigan through, oh. you know, gorgeous farmland and, you know, cows and corn and, and barns and all that. But then up out of the mist, you know, rises this Indian casino, metropolis you know uh kind of thing you just kind of wonder how the money how the money works for that kind of stuff anyway. yeah club dynamics you know um yeah well well let's go ahead and get started rob thanks for giving us the the lowdown on the mmla scene it sounds like it was an exciting event and um uh i'll i'll kind of ping you offline on on some of your uh, moderation of the technology panel I'd love to hear kind of how um but I want to make sure we uh, make the most of our time today. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Skylar, for joining us. Um, and Rob, we're, we're very excited to have you. Um, everybody, my name is Melissa Langdale. I'm with the Mortgage Collaborative, uh, joined by Rob Chrisman, as always. And this week's special guest is Skylar Olson, uh, Chief Economist for Zillow. Welcome, Skylar. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am ridiculously excited about our conversation today. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a long time. And I remember just learning a lot from you, actually. And you were one of the people that I think I think about when I now kind of really shape a lot of thinking about, I guess, what's wrong with mortgage. And I told my team, hey, I'm going to be on this. And, uh, you know, I reached out to one of our GR folks or government relations, you know, folks and to say, hey, I'll be on, you know, and he was like, uh, or do you know about this? You know, the rundown. And he's like, uh, know about it. I subscribe. And Rob, he mentioned your uh, work. So everyone's very excited. I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, as we kind of get bit going, I think it would be really fantastic to um, kind of dive into um, what are some of the main, you know, drivers of today's economy and, you know, kind of how does that impact housing? How does it impact the mortgage industry? Would love yeah. to kind of hear your thoughts around that. Yeah. I mean, I think when we think about what housing is going through right now, so what are we going through? I mean, we went through a big shock, but now we've got affordability is, you know, really top of mind and low new listings, right? Low inventory uh, as well, right? So these two pi pictures, two pieces, 
I mean, so much of that is itself uh, aftermath, right, of mortgage rates, right? And we're riding this roller coaster of mortgage rates. And the impact of and what, you know, on mortgage rates is really all about inflation and then monetary policy and an aftermath of a lot of the massive support that we needed, um, you know, because of the pandemic, but then, you know, caused that inflation challenge now. So when we think about the, well, let's like set the scene just a tiny bit, right? Um, you know, when we think about what's driving housing and, um, you know, it's not just that mortgage rates are where they are, which I, you know, update constantly. I don't know about you guys, but constant refresh on mortgage news daily. And then, you know, you refresh every Thursday with the PM survey <laughs> coming out. Um, so we're real close to seven um, on the most recent um, PMMS numbers. And um, it's not just that we're there, it's that we were there so recently, right? Um, and, you know, that jump up was itself about a transition point in monetary policy, right? Going from really accommodative, providing more money, uh, the Fed was buying tons of mortgage-backed securities and treasuries and pumping liquidity to keep all of our businesses going and the housing market going. But then that switched and that caused a sudden jump to rates. We're at another transition moment where we see key signals that inflation is coming in hand, and um, then the Fed might not have to continue putting upward pressure on rates. The Fed's fund rate could be at its max, but you notice I'm, you know, a lot of, oh, like we don't really know. And that's what the moment here is, is the surprise was the economy is doing very well, right? We were supposed to get uh, a mild recession, and that's what would bring inflation down. But here we have progress on inflation, continued strong economy and growth. Um, and so, you know, that inflation policy, it's something to watch, but it's also the, re you know, recession risk lifts the, you know, if we feel optimistic, it lifts, lifts the 10-year. So, I mean, the macro economy is driving a lot of this, and that's an uncertain place. But in housing, we kind of just have to accept and, and take what's happening and keep building to handle the challenge in front, which is mortgage affordability is really the, the mechanism there. And it, it's a challenge. And I don't know that we can promise people that it'll get better very fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All what's driving the economy? Inflation, oh, yeah. uncertainty. Recession risk that's like going away. Um, uh, and it's all, all mixed together. <laughs> I have a I have a question. Let's take a step sure. back. Yeah. So so Skyler, I, I send out this daily commentary. And people, I don't fit into the underwriter bucket. I don't fit into the processor bucket. I don't fit into the loan officer bucket. I don't fit in, you know, these buckets that people think about with mortgage banking. You have become an economist, and I know we're going off script here a little bit, but you're oh, an economist. Not. Yeah. How can can I ask how? I mean, it's not like you're 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 playing in a dollhouse when you're, you know, four years old and think, you know, I wonder how, wonder where, you know, China, this this dollhouse is manufactured in China, and I wonder how this impacted, you know, the 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 trade deficit. I mean, how did you get to where you are? You're obviously well respected in the industry. How did you get to where you are? When did you decide? Oh, yeah, this, is when pretty, did I this is for me. Yeah, this is like this is a pretty cool. I, I think I think I, I'm I'm interested in 
in trade imbalances and GDP. Oh, and dude. Economic yeah, I'll, I'll do. I'll, so it happened to me pretty early. So if you think about what do I do for uh, Zillow now, I'm not just an economist. I'm also an economist that specializes at kind of, I know I gave a big wonky, you know, macro thing just now, but most of the time <laughs> I specialize on, you know, talking to consumers, you know, about what's happening. When I was younger, I took an econ class and it felt like the class you'd take to always be right in every conversation, right? And then I uh, I had <laughs> this path. It was journalism or economics. And economics is this amazing thing. It applies a structure to the way that we think. And then I can know that the world is a complicated place and everything, you know, and I, and we just talked about it. There's a jumble, 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 but all these things have connections and relationships. And if I can just play out those relationships, I can see around corners and that starts to be very powerful. Um, and economics is that field of study that's going to go beyond, oh, these things look related to how are they related how are they playing on each other? And then I over here can join industry. I didn't go into academia. I thought I wanted to, um, but that stopped looking good. Um, and what started looking really good was that you could go into industry. I could do research and people would read it right away, one. But now that I've played out the way this system probably should work, I can experiment by adding new levers, right? Or new buttons. And then you kind of play that out. So like the 40-year fixed rate loan is now you know insured. Okay, like that'll lower your mortgage payment, but is that going to build wealth for American housing? So we're building more of these products in order to respond to the challenge, but we're also changing the decisions because what we're doing is making it like wealth or stability, right? So I love that way of thinking. Was that a good yeah. answer? <laughs> that was a good answer. Do you play the lottery? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm I actually uh, I'm fairly risk averse. I think is a way, yeah, that you think about it. Yeah, I was in housing that way. <laughs> the, uh, this this Michigan Mortgage Lenders Association event was at this Indian casino in the middle of rolling farmland, and yeah. people ask me, you know, do you gamble? And I, I don't. I my background is capital markets and working on a trade desk and dealing with risk all the time. And I haven't, I haven't bet a penny on blackjack or anything in yeah. years and years and years it's uh anyway we're, we're getting a little bit off topic here so you're dealing with you're dealing with consumers so what so tell yeah. us what what are consumers thinking about these days uh oh, yeah. I mean, when you talk to consumers yeah what what, what, what gets I, them interested yeah i think right now consumers are probably struggling by a lot of uncertainty right they don't know what to do so let's just one kind of data point to think of. If I was to take, um, you know, the typical home value, current mortgage rates, you know, a little bit of assumptions about property taxes and insurance, and then compare that to the typical asking rate rent across the nation, pre-pandemic, you would save on that mortgage and property taxes and insurance, like over asking rate rent, right? Today, that's probably not necessarily true. And, you know, the mortgage payment and median asking rate or average asking rate rent um, are pretty on par. And you add property taxes and insurance might be a little higher. Now, that's not the full rent versus buy picture. 
not just because there's utility and ownership or, um, you know, you can buy different kinds of homes than you can rent or, you know, all those other things. Um, but the rent versus buy also includes the, you know, what are stocks going to do, you know, and what are um, home values going to do? And if you think about like, what do I bet? Let's play this out. What do you think the average person thinks home values are going to do? Well, right now, year over year numbers in most of the hot, hottest major metropolitan areas, but not even that hot, are negative. And it's very common to build a headline with a year over year number. It's a common way we report economics data, right? And then someone will say the sentence, home values are falling in Atlanta because they're reporting on a negative year over year number. But I can look at the past quarter and know that inventory pulled back in Atlanta and home values are back up to growth. But I, as a buyer, might think very reasonably, even, <laughs> that home values are falling in Atlanta. You know, so I think right now the challenge of, you know, when I say my audience is buyers, I know actually that I get through a buyer through media. Um, maybe through, you know, you guys and also through the people that help them like loan officers and uh, real estate professionals. So I actually spend a lot of time communicating with them and I'll, Rob, you want some of my data dashboards? I'll share, I'll show you some. They're cool. They're really, <laughs> they're really cool. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I uh, boy, so many things you've brought up. I, I, used I know to, what do you want to tackle? <laughs> confuse, confuse economics with alchemy uh, in terms of like, oh, yeah the dark, dark science and so forth. But the, one of the dismal big questions, economists. what's that? Well, they call us the dismal economists. So I like to upset with a bright jacket and a sunny disposition, you know, right. I, was, <laughs> I was telling Melissa that she's ready for uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, oh. oh yeah. There's no red. It's just green. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I think it is fascinating and you're right. The, the ability to piece these things together and as you put it, see around the corners uh, or see around the corner, I think is, is very interesting. But um, you know, to your point, I'm not a fan at all of these sensationalist headlines yeah. like, Oh, you know, real estate values plummet. And right. when you think, when you look, when you actually read the article, it's like, you know what? They're, they aren't plummeting. And, if you go back to 2020, 2021, there's a lot of people in our industry, especially who would argue that 20 or 25% housing appreciation is unsustainable and not healthy for the consumers that you're oh, talking yeah. to in terms of yeah. affordability. Yeah. Um, it just, it just prices the first time home buyer entirely out of the market and suddenly down payment assistance program, you know, pick up low down payment programs, pick up, and you're dealing with a lot of first-time home buyers who just shrug and say, "Well, I guess I got to keep paying rent." And then their landlord keeps raising their rent. Um, yeah. Are Are you seeing the general? Do, do you are you able to? And now I know we're going way off script. And and your don't worry, team, don't worry. Uh, don't your worry. team is probably saying, "Oh my gosh, what is you know what's Skyler and you know what is this guy doing?" But they were probably you, more alarmed by how winding my first answer was. I bet you <laughs> than you asking like more questions. I think so. Are you able in your dealings with consumer? Do you get the sense consumers? Do you get the sense that they are genuinely worried about uh, uh, home ownership or 
where kind of the housing market is going? Or are you getting the impression that, you know, people are people are okay where things are? Yeah, I think um, no, we get we definitely so there's a strong sentiment attached to home buying still, even in younger generations. So if I was to ask, like we ask them things like, is being a homeowner important to being a respected member of society? Is it a part of the American dream? Um, is it a good long run investment? Uh, questions like this, younger generations still say yes, right? Um, it's just, if you ask them, what's the most important thing, uh, that you look for in a home affordability is also, you know, always near that top. And so I like to say, you know, buyers, a first time buyer in particular today is not unmotivated. They're discouraged and frustrated. And why aren't they motivated? Yes. Affordability in the for sale side, as we talked about, um, is tough. Uh, but rent also takes 3% more out of your income uh, than it did pre-pandemic. And that's a pretty significant uh, rise, actually. Um, I think we averaged 9% rent growth over the last three years. Um, that's really big. Um, and rents are softening now in response, by the way. They're you know starting to fall. And that's also why I feel confident that inflation is coming in turn, because I, you know, we make that asking rent index, the Zillow home, uh, Zillow observed rent index with our rental listings. We pair the same rent listing. So it's actually a lovely thing. Uh, uh, only an economist would say that. It's just so lovely. It's just this lovely index. It's just great. Um, and it helps us track asking rent, which should lead shelter component of general inflation, a huge chunk of it, like 30% of the consumer basket, right? Should lead it you know, by like a year if everyone's signing these annual leases. And we're starting, and we saw that. We saw you know that come down. Um, but even though rents are falling, they're still up you know, significantly from before. And so a first-time home buyer, as you said, is absolutely feeling that. It's the repeat buyer that's really locked in. But even then, we have uh, data that shows they're, they're discouraged, but boy, they want to. So for example, we since the beginning of 2021, we started asking existing homeowners uh, what it would take them not what it would take them to sell. We did start later, you know, adding like, what's your current mortgage rate and how, you know, low, whatever. Um, but asking them, do you want to sell in the next three years? And it was so consistently around 15, 16% up until the last two quarters. And then it popped up to 19. Now it's up to 23. And that, like, it had, and by consistently, I mean, it had never gone, you know, above, you know, it was like 17, 18, 15, you know, and then boom. And so what we're watching is sellers who want to move for fundamental reasons that are just waiting. So who might pop out of that pile first are the ones that probably don't need mortgage rates to fall as much, right? Um or, um, you know, probably the older uh, you are might be more anxious to downsize or, or anything like that. So we have people who want to do, you know, life moves on. Housing markets are a little frozen, but life is moving on. Um, and that's what we got to figure out how to solve for. Yeah, the the consumer, the, the average consumer, I, and you know a lot more about average consumers than I do. I just know, like, the people I hang out with. And... They and they've got to be really normal, right? Like really <laughs> average. You think I'm an average guy? Okay. Uh, uh, or isn't everybody above average? Is honestly, I think about that all the time. Like, what is my sample like? You know, <laughs> perceive the world correctly. Yeah. Right. 
But yeah, from a behavioral economist perspective, I, I, I look at my, my peer group and, and folks that I know, and a lot of them, A, they, they own a home or more than one home, B, they like their community, and, and C, they've got maybe, a, maybe they own their place outright, or maybe they have a low interest rate. They're in no hurry to go anywhere. Yeah. There's probably and, a huge chunk of them, yeah. Yeah, they're just kind of like, oh, even if rates were to, you know, and, and yeah. especially for the folks who who don't have a loan on their house, they, you know, let the Fed raise rates to twenty percent. I mean, they're not they're they're not paying anything on their. It doesn't really impact them. So, yeah. but you've got these baby boomers who are going to live forever, of course, right? And so they own a house or two or three or whatever it might be. And they're like, you know what, we're, we're, we like going to the mountains or we like going to the lake and we like the community we live in. And so we're just not going to, we're, we're in no hurry to sell. And, you know, maybe when we get to be age 90, they'll put us in an assisted care facility. But until then, I like my three bedroom, two bath ranch style house in this town and I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a, yeah. it's an interesting kind of sticky point with, uh, uh, with the way things are. And I was listening to Bill Cosgrove who uh, owns a company called Union Home and in, in, uh, headquartered in Ohio. And he was talking about how the, a lot of the, it's not so much new housing stock not coming on the market. It's how about we repair some of our existing oh, housing yeah. stock that yeah. is decrepit, that has fallen into decay. The streets are already there. The fire hydrants are already there. Let's figure out how the government can promote fixing up what we have there. Yeah. So, yeah, I think about that all the time. U.S. housing is very old and the share held by older generations that have held that home for a long time. And so haven't maybe had a reason to, you know, fix it up because you might do that when you put it out on the market. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. And I'm reminded by this, and often we've heard this, this idea of, oh, we have to preserve naturally affordable housing. Naturally affordable housing is usually this stock. It's very old. It can also equate to not safe, <laughs> you know, um, asbestos, you know, these things that led um, that really need to be changed over and rehab just to be uh, kind of safe. Um, there's a lot of that to be done. And I think um, absolutely. And um, and so I'd watch, you know, the building because I, I want that to play out and other hope that comes out just in new construction besides, you know, getting that work done and how are we going to handle that? Um, you know, there is some hope too with adding more density. You see more states are eliminating single family uh, zoning. You see a huge popularity in um, ADUs or the accessory dwelling unit, that auxiliary unit, that uh, granny flat uh, in the backyard. Um, Actually, I as much as I like that because it feels like, oh, yes, it might um, provide access for a renter to a suburban school or you're a firefighter or, you know, that kind of thing uh, for a younger person. But if you actually even play out what you just said, like a problem is boomers are holding. Will I hold longer if I can be income earning out of my backyard? I think so. Um, so I sometimes worry about the ways that we think we're solving for this problem, patting ourselves on the back, like, oh, we allowed ADUs everywhere and granny flats, um, but they weren't ownable shares, you know, of a unit and um, and it might increase the incentive to hold. So, 
Yeah, I'm by saying there are people that are ready and willing to move forward. Um, I'm almost not, I'm not even there are things that have to occur, like mortgage rate might have to come down a bit, more time might have to pass for you to like your fundamental position to change relative to your home and cause you to, you know, want to move on. Um, yeah, we're not out of the woods as much as as much as I we're at this moment where I think we can see reasons for optimism and we're refiguring everything out, right? It's like, okay, so now that we know we might be on, on the other side of inflation, how does this play out? Because it's already playing out oddly, right? Oh, it's not a recession. Oh, it doesn't look like a recession, huh? Um, so I want to build on that just for a little bit. Um, Guy Schwartz put a great question in the um, in our kind of Q&A um, that I, I think would help uh, to answer. So he says, would love to know what the milestones are that need to be achieved in order for the Fed to take their foot off the brake. As you're yeah. talking about inflation and those sort of things, would, would love to hear your insights in that. Yeah, I think we actually hit a milestone, one of them, um, with the last um, PCE run. So PCE, um, uh, that is the measure of inflation that the Fed prefers because it allows for consumers to substitute back and forth as opposed to a headliner, the consumer price index, the PCE is more core. And then the core PCE is the one the Fed also looks at um, because that eliminates prices and energy. Um, But there's another one uh, that the Fed is probably looking at. It comes from the Dallas Fed, uh, most certainly is looking at. It's called the trimmed mean PCE. And it's like core of cores eliminates more than just food and energy. And this isn't a really important thing because if I eliminate more of the volatile stuff and I get to core of core, I can help. It's better. It predicts better, right? Where we're going on average, right? That finally returned to target this last read, at least the month over month number, right? If I were to annualize that month over month pace, it was 2%. Um, if I annualize the month over month pace of core PCE, it was only 2.2. So the year over year numbers are still, you know, up in the high threes and, and, you know, fours because it's relative to a high year, just like we were talking like, you know, year over year tells you a different story than if I look at a more current pace like month over month. So that's one milestone. Um, others, you know, we're watching, we're waiting for that, the spread between jobs to keep closing. It's narrowing, right? Job openings relative to unemployed. Um, and actually, you know, it, it feels weird. You're like, oh, I'm I'm wishing for more unemployment. But unemployment, because people are returning from the labor market, like re-entering the labor force is a good sign. And that happened in a big way um, in uh, June or Maybe that was the May number, and then June at least kept it up. Um, So we are back above our pre-pandemic labor force participation rate, and that was low for an extended period of time. Um, Of course, we might be back because student loan debt is coming due again. Work requirements for uh, child care federal benefits are coming back. You have to work in order to get those again. Um, so there's a lot of maybe forces that are returning us to work, but it could just also be everyone, you know, kind of getting just more normal uh, flows. That's great. Rob, you got one last question for us? I, I don't know where to start. So, <laughs> so, so. We have a list. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> so the the are you seeing much of an impact from uh and I hear this from from loan officers that the deals are getting tougher uh and in part part of that is because of 
the increasing debt load of the average borrower or consumer. And I know that credit card debt just breached a trillion dollars for the yeah. first time. Uh, and I think doesn't show any sign of, of going down. Are you, are you, that's must be on your radar screen to some extent, the, the, the fact that maybe in part, some of this economy is being fueled by people who are just putting things on the layaway plan. Yeah, and at the some new point- access to layaway, that new incentive that I think causes the, oh, is this, you know, you know, because I think whenever we're thinking about, is this bad? We're always, I as an economist, right? You're kind of thinking, um, what's going to fall away later? Like what, if it was a bubble, like, did it go beyond fundamentals? Right. So what is this thing? So anytime you introduce a new thing, like all these, it's really easy to buy now and pay later. Now it's everywhere, right? It was inner. It's just so much. And the other thing is over the course of the pandemic, we switched so much of our buying away from services and to goods. So this buy now, pay later, like our access to it is a larger share of the things we buy, you know, every day. Um, so I could totally see where we're going, why, you know, credit card debt is exploding. And I am starting um, to watch it. I don't know that I've formalized, you know, my thinking about it. I, the things that I have added to my thinking about it is right now wages are growing faster than prices. And that should help a little, right? Calibrate. Because some of that, like buying a lot in debt was that prices were growing very quickly, you know, and outpacing your ability to pay. Um, And so now that rents are normalizing or at least slowing down, hopefully the whole economy can just get less urgent. And maybe that allows people to um, kind of stabilize. But yeah, I'm watching for sure. Have you ever seen... The uh, one one of the things I mean I've been in the business for a while, and it seems like every week now we're going way off script. By the way, uh, there, there's there's Federal Reserve presidents out there speaking, you know, speaking their mind, yeah. talking about where, where things are, where things might yeah. go. That's an and important part of the policy. Is the very very important, right? Exactly. Yeah. I've never seen a Federal Reserve. Or, or this many Fed speakers out there on a weekly basis or monthly yeah. basis. Um, and so I'm wondering what your thoughts are. First of all, do you agree or disagree? And second yeah. of all, what role the Fed, what, what, should, what should people, what should viewers and listeners on our, to the show know about what the Fed is saying? What, the, what should they be watching out for with all the Fed, Fed president speeches? Absolutely. Yeah, the sentiment... Uh, that the Fed has, like the flavor with which they explain things, um, whether or not they say the word, you know, recession before a reporter after, <laughs> um, you know, all these things are probably fairly uh, intentional. And that is because, you know, these, a lot of the, not just mortgage rates, all sorts of um, interest rates within financial markets are going to move with our expectation about that policy, not necessarily the policy itself. Like mortgage rates increased from 3% all the way up to 6% in a year. You know, I mean, that's kind of wild. And only now, has the Fed funds rate reached, well, maybe, who? I mean, someone knock on wood, I don't have any wood, you know, who knows, but like only now are we getting to where, you know, the policy part has peaked, right? But mortgage rates probably peaked kind of very early on in it because it was our expectations that moved it. So when um, 
whenever you kind of uh, listen to the Fed speak, the sentiment of it is as important as the content. I think, you know, when you kind of think about what is the mood they are trying to do. And if you let's think about it this way. Inflation wasn't a problem until it was suddenly a problem, right? Because they were in a accommodative, supportive stance before that, right? They were like, it is okay, economy. It is okay. Inflation is not a problem. It is okay. And then as soon as they were accommodative, inflation is now, you know, oh, yes, it's very hard on uh, lower income households, and it's really serious. And then even now, whenever you watch them talk about how they might be done lifting the fund rate or whatever, they always follow it by saying something. But things are very uncertain, and they're and when you see someone come out, and you see them every week. They keep emphasizing how uncertain and how we don't know if we're done yet. What they're trying to do is they're saying, "Don't you rev up economy? Don't you do it? Just because you think I'm going to stop, don't you do it?" Right. So the policy and the sentiment and our the financial markets expectations of what they are going to do, is, I don't know if it's half of it or, you know, a quarter, but it's a it's big. You know, that expectation is a big part of it. Um, Milton Friedman called them rational expectations. I don't know how rational we're being, but it is rational to expect, you know, them to do something. So. Right. So the. It's interesting. It always makes me chuckle when somebody says, well, we are uncertain about the future or the, the future is, you know, uh, you know, we can't, it's like, well, of course it's yeah. the future. We don't know what's going to happen. We did a uh-huh. pandemic, you know, shipping the Suez canal. I mean, yeah. you can, you can have a, you can have a game plan. You can have a battle plan until the first shot is fired or yeah. the first punch is thrown as yeah. Mike Tyson was famous for saying, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's always uncertain, and yeah. that's what makes this so interesting. Is the the you can you can see around the corner to some extent, but yeah. you can and you can you can do all this all this planning, but yeah. then heck, you know somebody you do all this planning, and then the CEO decides to retire, yeah. or like yeah. I said, the ship gets stuck in the Suez Canal, and then yeah. it's like, all right, all bets are off. You know, let's well, let's recalibrate. And you know what's really funny about the mortgage market in particular? So so if I'm forecasting home values, I'm going to be way more confident about my forecast two, three months out than a year out, two years out, three years out. But mortgage rates, it's kind of the other way, right? We have more comp, well, we think we do, who knows? You know, we, we probably will be very wrong, but at least there's a lot of agreement among economists or more agreement among economists about what the terminal mortgage rate is going to be. And one, I love that we call it the terminal rate because it's our expectations about what happens in three or four years. And in finance, of course, that's when the world ends. I mean, like three or four years, like how can we possibly <laughs> further? So we're, we're fairly like, or at least more confident that the terminal rate where rates will return to when everything is normal and the spread is back down, you know, and all these things, um, People have started to maybe lift it a little bit because we're not going into recession. But people before were like, oh, five and a half percent. That's where we might go. And then now people are kind of, but there's a little more coming. The path to that point, I don't know. I don't know. Next <laughs> month, I don't know. No idea. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's uh, it's weird. You know, I think it is. Mortgages date the rate, you know. Marry the house, I think, really just has to be the strategy just because you can't. How could you, you know? Um, yeah, it's not you're talking about terminal rate. I don't, I don't hear that term used too much. I mean, it's not like, oh, that's the terminal, <laughs> that's the terminal station 
on the on this train line. You know, yeah, it's the, the last one. Yeah, it's the because long there's, run there's no it's a, it's always changing. Changing subjects ever so slightly. I, I don't know how much time we have, but we're out. I think we're out of time. But but are you seeing much in the way of consumers or companies who have been hearing this jabbering about a recession for so long? Oh my gosh, a recession is coming. We expect a recession. Recession, recession is coming, coming, coming. It's not really well. That aside, doesn't. Yeah, companies are now saying. Well, we aren't in a recession now. We have to like crank things back up again, or consumers cranking things back up again because of this dreaded recession that didn't hit. Or are people still kind of laying low, and conservative, and hunkering down based on the consumers that you speak with? I mean, I'm. Um, what's interesting is I don't know that the consumers maybe track that as much as. Maybe the Apple, Apple computer have to watch it, you know, or whatever. Um, because as we said, I think the Fed, because we didn't see the recession and they're thinking people could get more ambitious, they are coming out and trying to encourage, you know, people not to do that. Um, but the in terms of the consumer, I actually think when like, you know, the phrase, have you ever heard the joke? Um, it's a uh, recession when you lose your job, but it's a depression when I lose mine, right? right. Like, right. Is, I think when the consumer walks out, just like when they're making that buy versus rent decision, the monthly payment is going to be something that might be harder for them to get past. And it's hard to think about like, oh, the you know tax benefits and the flows. You know, I, I think they think a little bit more about like their direct in front of them. So maybe they heard about the optimism kind of out there, but they might not have internalized that that's why mortgage rates, you know, went up to seven, right? So I I bet their the average consumer is just still just confused, I bet. Understandable. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had so much good content that I didn't want to stop okay. it. There was there was such great like conversation going, but we are over. That was fun, Rob. You know, uh, before we go, I want to let everybody know. Uh, please subscribe to our our YouTube channel. Please make sure that you um, you know search for us in Apple uh, Podcast. Um, Scholar, thank you so so much for sharing your brilliance and expertise with us today. I really appreciate it, um, and I hope everybody has an amazing weekend. Yes. Oh. Yes. Thanks, Skylar. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. All right. You're All right. Bye. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.